From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. Right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duckstyle Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me today, Brooks Tinsley, Josh Raggio, the call maker. Back again. Y'all ain't burn up, have you? It's hot. Yeah. I'm about to. It was so 100 degrees you- today. Yeah, before you got on, Josh, Brooks was telling me about an employee that, that worked for them. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brooks. Yeah, so I'm in the asphalt business, and, you know, it's 100 degrees today. Uh, the asphalt comes from the plants about 300 degrees. Well, needless to say, if, if you're not well hydrated, uh, you know, taking in a lot of electrolytes, you know, it, it can be dangerous. We had somebody today actually had to go to the hospital get some fluids in them uh so yeah when it's 100 degrees and uh i know duck season's only two months away but it sure feels like a long way away when it's 100 degrees outside you mentioned you mentioned look i'm not trying to get into a brand or anything like that but you mentioned that you had squinchers with you and i'm just asking do they work do the squinchers work Heck, I mean, I, I guess you know it's all you know. I, I, electrolytes is a big deal, and that's what kind of they provide. Right. So I mean, it's just like Gatorade. You know, I mean, Gatorade, Squincher, whatever. You need to be, you really need to be drinking something in addition to just water. Uh, in this kind of heat, but it's, it's I'm not tell them what the temperature not, is. Yeah, you're talking about the asphalt being 300 degrees. There's no telling what the temperature is just just walking beside it because on these machines, I mean, good lord, it'll be walking beside it. It'll be six people standing around that machine. If if you haven't been around a paver and you go out there and they dump that asphalt out of that truck on a day like today, it will literally take your breath away, and that's not an exaggeration. So yeah, it's hot. It's one of my favorite smells, though. Really? Well. Yeah, yeah I love <laughs> that smell. <laughs> oh. Don't tell Brooks, Rocky. I'll put you on a favorite crew in a heartbeat. It smells like money to me, too, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I hate the smell of a pig. And my, my father-in-law, that's exactly what, I, you know, I walk in that, that pig barn where we keep our 4-H animals, and my good gosh, the, the goats aren't bad, but the pigs, my good 
man, this is awful. And he's like, it smells like money to me. <laughs> Rocky, yeah. I'll tell you, one of the worst things I did <clears throat> when I was at Caterpillar is <clears throat> when I was a product support rep, we had to go measure undercarriages on bulldozers. And we had to go every quarter to the landfills and measure those undercarriages. And we would call ahead, oh. ask them to, you know, pull them in the shop and wash them and clean them out and all that. But even after all that, like, it's just one of those smells you, I don't know, you just don't ever get used to. But like Brooke says, it smells like money to them. So we had to do it. But good God, it was horrible. I'd much rather go at a cattle barn or horse barn than a landfill. <laughs> Let me ask you this before we get back into the story, both of you. Is there one smell that just brings up a, a, a bunch of memories? You can smell that smell, and it's like, oh, man. It, it just takes you back. It just makes you think for a second when it hits you. You know what I'm saying? To me, To me, it's like the musty smell of my blind bag it like keeps a damp moist it's just like literally i was out in my shop the other day getting something that was hanging up and i was like hey forgot what all was kind of in there calling stuff i opened it up and the smell hit me it was like damn yep it's getting close about that time (laughs) that's one i would agree with that Josh, uh, my answer is probably not not that good. <laughs> Tequila, just not <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, yeah. Jake was talking about it today in his in, our, in the podcast we recorded today with Lee. He said he can smell fireball, and it, it just make him start gagging because. I don't know if you remember from Jake's story, but he, he broke his leg up in British Columbia on that, that sheep hunt. And the only painkiller killer that he had was a, a fifth or whatever it was. I don't know what they call it in Canada, a fireball. That was the only painkiller he had for 48 hours. I do remember him talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, the is not a really good memory, but... <clears throat> Away from it. Uh, let, let me sit, name a few. I can smell gunpowder on a fresh shell, and it takes me back oh, to yeah. being a kid in Dove Field. Automatic. It's the first thought oh, that yeah. runs through my head. Number two, yeah. a fresh rain during the summertime. If you click your air conditioner off for just a second, and the vent kicks on, or it starts running through your vehicle, that smell that comes through after a fresh summer rain, man, that could take me back. Jeez. And then just the, 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 sometimes you can get a whiff of somebody who's been practicing football. I can, I can remember that smell. Just that grass yeah. plus that mustiness. Brooks, do you remember <laughs> your last <laughs> baseball game? Oh, yeah. College. Oh, yeah. Say, what's, <clears throat> I don't know if you did this or not, but I, I did because I knew it was my last and we were getting beat, whatever. And, I went out there, got to my position, and I literally smelled my glove. Did you do that? 
dude, I you talking about smelling your glove, like I can I can I can almost smell it right now if you're thinking about it. I guarantee. Yeah. That's were you a, always were y'all a string chewer? No, not really. No, but I, I had a routine in between every pitch. I would for whatever reason I'd spit it into my glove and rub it down right in the palm. It just became habit. But yeah, I went out on that last game and smelled my glove, knowing it'd be the last time. So I can always remember that smell. Actually, I still have my glove in the shop. Speaking of routines, speaking of routines, did y'all have a certain routine that you went through every time you came up to bat, or in between pitches? Yeah, I mean. You kind of get routines, and hell, it kind of changes a little bit year to year. Depending on if you're getting any damn hits or not. If you know <laughs> hits, that routine changes up a bunch. Even if you're a slut. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. So, yeah, when it's uh, going good, you got the same routine. But if it ain't, you're changing something up. <laughs> yeah. That's true. God, baseball <laughs> players are the most superstitious in the world. Ooh, and it never ends. Like, it's. It never ends. Even in my day to day now, I still get that way. Yep. Never ends. You see people, they'll step out of the box, they'll do both their batting gloves, snap it back up, put one foot in into the back of the batter's box, and then dig it in, and then put the front one in. It's, you watch these guys over and over. They, you know, it's just a routine every time they're up at bat. Yeah. But yep. Anyway, so I heard that you guys have kind of been uh, talking, making plans for this week. Yeah, we, had we a couple uh, of uh, conversations. <laughs> Reminiscing. We talked. We talked. We. It was actually kind of fun catching up on some old hunts. Thankfully, Josh uh, kept some pretty good records of our hunts we talked about today. It was pretty cool kind of going through some of those and reminiscing for sure. Josh, were you there the the, the morning that they first met Spence? <laughs> there. No, I'll answer that question. No, he was not there. Because... I was in the area. I was in the, the area. The, the day, the day before that opening day, which was a pretty epic boat ride, uh, we had had this master plan about getting this hole in this area. I mean, we really did some pretty crazy stuff. Got our spot. Didn't fire a shot. Opening day of duck season. Like, it was an epic failure. Well, so we didn't give up. We went and scouted that afternoon and found an area that was kind of holding water that you had to walk into. And in our mind, we're like, well, there was no shells. Nobody had hunted this whole area opening day. There was literally not any shells anywhere in here. So we're like, well, hell, you know, we got this spot for sure. Well, sure enough, the next morning, Josh decides maybe after too many whiskeys, I don't know against his better judgment he slept in and we for the went, first time 
in my for the first time ever, hockey. ever. I guess he thought it was so crappy day one. Why am I getting up day two? Well, we didn't. And this was the morning that we met Spencer, and they did the same thing. I don't know if they didn't shoot him where they were at day one. I can't remember, but they decided to go to a new spot, and we ended up, you know, wanting to go to the same spot and had a really, really epic hunt with a lot of good stories. But Josh was snuggled into bed. I was at the boat ramp when they came back to meet him. <laughs> in consolation of that. <laughs> I will I will say this. You put Brooks and Spence together telling this story and then putting the part in there about, about Ed, it, it, it is oh, awesome. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, hey, so I they, they, that, but I did. <laughs> the one time I Josh, that, we 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 did a turkey hunt this spring and and, and Brooks and Spence got around the fire and drink up drink a few beers and just telling that story i i, I almost threw up a long laughing <laughs> uh, that's a good one it's a good oh, one. i guess gosh i guess go go ahead josh with the the story about uh about the white white river hole uh first time we did that yeah so i <clears throat> that was like 2000 and what, uh, 13 or 14 maybe, and <clears throat> they had just logged a lot of that area. And Brooks knew that and, and kind of been scouting some, and the river got out, and it was going to be really good. And he had this one spot that he had found, and we were running the hole, and we kind of had it to ourselves the first, I don't know, week or two maybe that we were in there, and we were banging on them. I mean, it was it was epic for oh, it was epic for a long time, but it was epic for a while because we didn't have any competition. And I guess people here in a shoot and this, that, and the other kind of, you know, ended up getting closer and closer and then had to compete for the hole. But so we, um, <clears throat> I mean, it was kind of one of those places where you're calling all your buddies because it's so good. Like you want everybody to come <laughs> with you. And so we're, uh, we're there one day, and I don't know if y'all know Greg Brooks's dad, but if you don't, he's just—he's the most epic storyteller ever. Uh, he just has a way with words, and you know, he's written a novel or two. I mean, he's just—he's an unbelievable guy. And we're standing there, and we've just—we've just killed a limit, and we're talking about what we're going to name this hole because every hole we end up going to it ends up with a name. <clears throat> and Greg says, "Well, you know, it's." It looks it looks kind of like a, and we're expecting this really cool name. And he says <laughs> it really looks like a, like a baby cup. And we we just kind of look at each other, like man, Greg, of all the things you could have said, you just said baby cup. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, mean, he's, the man, he's he's, li he's literally a wordsmith. Like he knows more words than anybody you know. Like a he at one point That's he kept a dictionary next to his bedside and like he'd use a word in a sentence one day and I'd be like, Dad, what the hell are you talking about? I'll look it up. It's in Webster's, look it up. And we have, you know, found the most epic hole 
ever. And he comes up with baby cup. And I was like, what? Baby cup? Well, yeah. So I guess it was it was before 2011. So I was about to have my little girl. Uh, and he was like, well, yeah, you're about to have a baby. And this is just kind of like a little teacup. So just baby cup seems fitting. And I was like, no. You're gonna, you have to go back to the drawing board on baby cup. But he didn't, and we didn't, and to this day we call the whole baby cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, baby cup. So it's written in my journal about a hundred times. Baby cup <laughs> of all the things we could have named it. Oh, uh, literally, I had to I had to pull out a dictionary. The first time I read his novel, it was uh, I, mean, I had I had to have a dictionary next to me because it was he's such a wordsmith. That's not an exaggeration that Brooks said. He's on the <laughs> with words, and he came up with baby cut. But anyway, yeah. Then we get into I don't know, kind of the same couple of years. Brooks, you can tell these like the. I think you and I were scouting a couple of times. And... Yeah. So, I mean, you know, kind of, you know, like the first story we told about Josh sleeping in, uh, you know, afternoon scouting for everybody listening, you know, it's like, how do, how do I kill ducks? How do I do this and that? And you always hear, oh, you got to scout, you got to scout, you got to scout. Well, there really is something to that. You know, it's, it's more than just people saying it and, uh, so, you know, we do a lot of, and hell, they've changed the rules so much now. And a lot of these places, you can't go scout, you know. Uh, but back then, you know, you could ride around in a lot of these places in a boat in the afternoon. Uh, Brooks, Brooks, I got to ask. Go ahead. Did you, help them, right. did you help them change those rules? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. That's a whole <laughs> other podcast, Rocky. Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, literally yeah. a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, hell, one of the best the best uh, boat wrecks I've ever been in was with Josh, and we're scouting in the afternoon, and I've got uh, like a flat bottom, smooth bottom boat uh, with a mud motor, and you know, people that have them know, yeah, yeah, oh, it'll run in six inches of water. Well, it will run in six inches of water if you stay on plane. You know, if you come off plane, you're pretty much there. It, you know, in, in a hard bottom setting, like you know, uh, flooded green timber. Then we're we're riding around scouting, and uh, we had already been down this road and knew that it got really shallow in one spot, uh, going one direction. But on the way back, I kind of knew that in my mind, so I was like, "Well, I need to go pretty fast <laughs> through here so we don't get stuck." Well, I gas on it, and when we come to this curve that's shallow, if you've done this, you know, if you if your prop can't get down in the water to bite, you ain't turning. So we came, it was shallow leading up to this curve, but going the other way, it was deep going to this curve. So it was two different deals. Well, So we go to hit this curve, and I'd go to dig my prop down in the water to turn left, and we don't turn left. We we turn straight into a tree. And oh, about man. killed Josh. <clears throat> Rocky, it was like... 
I don't know. So it's a it's a hard ninety to the left, and the big oak tree that you can't reach around is right in that ninety. And when he gassed on it, I could just see us sliding across the water. But I knew he had to do what he what he did. And I think we put I don't know a six inch dent in the side of that all welded handmade it's a tank of the boat. Three sixteen-inch aluminum. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't have a choice. And I was pretty sure I broke my arm, and kind of like the old radio days. He was like, "Oh yeah, you're fine. Let's go. Come on, we're past it now." Yeah, yeah. You okay? Let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get out of here. <laughs> and then the other one, we were scouting again. And we're just kind of looking around, and Brooks has a bad tendency of just looking straight up for ducks. And, you know, we pass this little, and Brooks, you remember this? We passed this little 14-foot boat, and they got six guys in there drinking beers. And, I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> they were like, what? what is going on with this guy? And you just gas it for whatever reason. And we're almost out of the hole. And, Rocky, we dead centered tree that again you couldn't reach around and i don't know how he missed it how he didn't see it i mean i don't know he's just it's dangerous right with <laughs> so there's completely a sober if you're driving a boat if you're driving a boat look at where you're going that that's rule number one and i, I broke that rule that day <laughs> oh you broke it twice <laughs> Hey, hey, Brooks, when will the, the statute of limitations pass on the cooler story? Not now. It's now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to look at my calendar and the state law about when. <laughs> when I'm going to stop you right up. there. It, it ain't right now. <laughs> it ain't tonight. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You know, we'll have so many people. What happened? What was the deal with it? Oh, Rocky, my God. Yeah. It is the, it is the best story yeah. ever. Just drop it. <laughs> when it were you, were you anywhere I, I, around? I'm, I'm, I just want to ask this. Were you anywhere around when that happened, Josh? I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not answering that. I played the fifth. <laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> So That's I'm gonna get us story. off of this. But I'm gonna get off, get us off of that because this is less Thank incriminating. You. But I, ha- I, <laughs> I, my memory got jogged when you said something in a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah. my memory got jogged when you said something about you know rewriting rules and voting and stuff like this. So this was when me and Josh first met. We were doing a deal at a Matthews break in Mississippi. So they, they've changed the rules a hundred times. Some because of me, most not, but so you, <laughs> they, they changed it to where most recently you couldn't put your, uh, you couldn't be past a certain area until four o'clock. So, uh, everybody would be stopped in the road at four o'clock. And then at four o'clock you could pull up what well, was about, a quarter to a half mile from that stopping point to the boat ramp. Well, kind of like I normally do, I'm scheming up ways of, you know, how can I get here first? I don't want to sleep in my truck at 8 o'clock the day before. So 
I'm reading the rules and I see where the refuge starts and there's a place right past the sign a couple hundred yards that the refuge where like it literally the refuge starts where you can get to the water so we started doing a deal where instead of being first in line well at four o'clock we would time it to where we would pull up last in line we would be the last person in line so as soon as the caravan started going forward you know we're last and when we got to this point where we could get to the water we had a little 14 foot john boat with a long tail on it we would like a seal team six out of our truck sling the boat off the trailer literally <laughs> sling it off the trailer on the gravel road and everybody grab a hold of it and drag it about 50 yards to the water and i would hop in it and go and it was blowing people's minds like so you can imagine being the first person in line you're taking your time you're driving down the road i'm first so nobody's gonna beat me and all of a sudden you know they get in their hole and i'm there and they're accusing me of cheating and i'm like no i'm i'm 100 percent legal there people are just beside themselves well so this was about the time that we met josh and i <laughs> i can remember the first time we took him and did it. He was like, "Y'all some bitches are crazy. This is a we- this is a well-oiled machine." Uh, Let me interject there. So, like, Steel Team Six is a pretty good description, but it was like Chinese fire drill. I mean, every- so everybody had a job, and you had to take it very seriously. And when I say job, like, I right, see so you got the left front, I got the right front, you got the right back, I got the left back. You got the truck, you're doing the straps, you got the motor crank. Everybody had a job, and it was to get that boat in the water in less than 15 seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And if it didn't happen, Brooks was cussing everybody. So you made sure that (laughs) you just did your job. Because if we got him in the water, then we were good, right? Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was total total organized chaos so it i think some people finally i think some people finally caught on to what was going on but never really got called out on it but some ms ducks duck south ogs uh don miller and lodi who i both met later in life they figured it out and my nickname to them was sneaky boy so, like, years later, they're like, holy shit, you're sneaky boy. <laughs> so, if, if you don't understand what we're talking about, that, that we did a podcast with Brooks and we were talking about, <clears throat> before the podcast, before we recorded, I called Josh and I said, Josh, hey, Brooks coming on, what do I need to talk about? This one of the main things you need to talk about is how many rules Brooks has had changed on refuges because of his sneakiness yeah. around the rules. You well, found so ways around got, them legally. I think they've got the deal changed now to where on the weekends there, it says you must put in at the boat ramp. And I think there was a little bit of, they thought private land people were beating them and stuff like that. But 
yeah, people were pretty upset that they. I mean, can you? I'd be upset too if I slipped in my truck from eight o'clock the night before, and you know, I'm first in line, and all of a sudden I got beat in my spot. Hell, I'd be upset too. But don't get bitter. Get better. You know, I was thinking about that. <laughs> Good talking. <clears throat> so, like riding to a hole, <clears throat> you know, a guy may. You may have some open water and you get to the woods and you got to kind of, you know, creep through the woods to the hole. Well, all of a sudden, you know, and they may have a well, smaller motor, smaller boat or whatever. And you come up on them and you've got a bigger boat. You've got a motor that are running, you know, six inches of water a lot faster. You know, that's a, <clears throat> that's a tough call. But, yeah. you know, ultimately, I guess you got to, you know, it was their decision to buy that boat. And, uh, you know, it's a tough deal to pass somebody in the woods, probably know you're going, going to one or two spots. Um, you know, ultimately my friend group is, is really good about, you know, a guy comes up on us in the hole and, you know, we always invite him to, or ask him to hunt with us. And instead of us, you know, competing a hundred yards from each other. Um, but you know, you get in those situations and, you know, the bottom line is you just, instead of screwing each other up all morning, you know, just hunt together and have a good hunt, everybody. But there's some tough situations that we've been in like that. And, you know, myself and Brooks and other guys in our group have, have always handled it very, uh, you know, with the utmost respect. And yeah, you know, and the other guys oftentimes want to get bitter about it, but you know, I mean, you just get beat sometimes and either go to plan B, C or D if you have them. But oftentimes, unfortunately they don't. So, you know, the best, next best option is let's hunt together and let's all have a good hunt. And that's, that's really that's what probably, we, you, we try to promote, you, you know, you hit on something really good right there that, you know, in Mississippi, it's weird. Like it's different in Arkansas than it is in Mississippi. If you get beat in Mississippi, there's not, really any hey let's all hunt together type deal you just move on to plan b or c or d but in arkansas a lot of the confrontations i've seen somebody gets beat and they didn't have plan b c or d and then it's like well i'm hunting here this is where i always hunt uh, and that's what leads to problems in my mind yeah unfortunately i've seen and i know brooks has too i mean guys literally just pull up in daylight you know, five minutes before shooting light, just troll into your hole and hop out of the boat, uh, hunt over your decoys, never say a word to you. And, you know, you, legally you can't tell them to leave. It's public land. Um, but that's what, you know, that's a, a big deterrent for young duck hunters is, is when guys are just so, I don't know, un, I don't know if ethical is the word, but, um, you know, it's just not good to see that, you know, at least yeah. say good morning. We're going to hunt over your decoys with you this morning. I'm so-and-so. <laughs> I'm so-and-so. <laughs> you know, let's have a good time. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole other That's a whole other topic. You but. know, <clears throat> when y'all look back on those days, early days of hunting together, what, what what's going to stick out the most? You remember the ducks. You remember. Well, you remember the wrecks and the laughs and the. I mean, what's going to stick out? What sticks out now when you look when you think about those early days hunting together? 
I don't know. So Josh was going through his notebook earlier, and like he was like, "Damn, we killed a bunch of ducks," and I was like, "Yeah," and and, and it's but without really the not notes, what sticks out. It's it's not what sticks out. I, you know, I, like the particular hunts. You know, it's the funny thing. So and so fell in, or so and so did this. But I think what sticks out more than anything is like the long term. You know, the friendships that you build. You know, that's what that's what stands the test of time. It's not shooting a limit that day. You know, because Josh was going through that day. I was like, damn, I forgot. You know how hard we stood on them. The baby cup deal. I mean, we shot limits like nine days in a row and i knew it was good but like i didn't really remember that you know what i mean i knew it was good but that's not what i took away from those days you know oh. yeah i think for me it's uh i think it's a level of maturity maybe you reach as a hunter and maybe just as a person i don't know but you know used to if i couldn't go on a weekend it would just eat me alive that I wasn't there. And quite frankly, you know, Brooks would call or whatever. And <laughs> say, yeah, man, you know, we whacked him this morning and I would get just, just, just mad because I wasn't there. And I remember a few, I don't know, it's been a couple of two or three years ago. <clears throat> I kind of reached that point where I don't know, like a, a good cold, you know, December day, like I was okay working in my shop. Um, cause I mean, obviously I still had a full-time job, at, you know, at that time. So I was, you know, working in the shop. I just couldn't get away. I had duck call orders to fill. I'd have a fire pit going outside and, you know, I'd work for a few hours and I'd step outside and just, you know, feel that North breeze and sit by the fire. And then I'd get the phone calls about how well, you know, my buddies did that day. And, you know, and something changed. I don't know what it was, but, you know, I was, I was genuinely happy for them instead of being, pissed off because i wasn't there I, I i don't know maybe everybody reaches that point at, at some time in their life i don't know but it, it happened to me i think it was, it was two or three years ago and so now you know, i love to go hunting don't get me wrong but you know I, I i enjoy a day in the shop and you know making these duck calls for folks and um you know and hear my buddies call me and say man we just had a fantastic hunt um, I get just as much satisfaction out of that now where I used to not, I guess, I guess is the point. So I guess there's a level, level of, of, of hunting maturity there that, that happens eventually with somebody. You get, you get tired of pulling the trigger. Um, but when I get to go for me, it's, it's just the whole thing. It's, uh, Brooks knows this, I, you know, I, I don't have to pull the trigger to have the best time with the whole group. Um, I just like taking it all in. You know, staying at the camps, you know, the boat rides, hell, I just, I just like it all. So, Rocky, so, so Josh, when he started making duck calls and really got, you know, inundated with orders, uh, I don't know, this was five years ago, maybe four or five years ago, like he did not hunt, like it went from he hunted a bunch, like he wasn't going at all. And we would just give him a hard time. I mean, I'm busy, you know, and I'm like, dude, you're making duck calls. It's duck season. What What are you doing? <laughs> like, you're a duck hunter. It's duck season. You need to be duck hunting. So we would really give him a hard time. And, uh, 
but yeah, there for a while he kind of he kind of faded away making duck calls. I guess you got to understand, <clears throat> like the pressure of having a stack of orders is hard to explain, um, especially oh, yeah, when you're I doing it just imagine. just part time, you know, kind of as a hobby, side business, whatever. Like there's a, <clears throat> you know, you took you took somebody's order, um, you know, and, and unfortunately I felt kind of a guilt, I guess, to choose between okay, I can go hunting this weekend, which is going to take up three days. Or I can stay in my shop and I can, you know, fulfill these orders that people have, you know, given to me and they want a product that I actually make, you know, and, and the the duck call outweighed the duck hunt um, a lot of times. And it still does. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. just, a, just a fact. Um, but it's not, but it's a choice of mine. And it's only because I, tr- if I didn't love it, I'd go duck hunting. But I love to make duck calls as much as I like to duck hunt. Maybe that's a fault. I don't know. But no, it's, it's, it's uh, but it's the truth. It's why you're doing you good. Know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just it's how I'm wired, and um, you know, I, I've been staring at these orders for a year, and I feel an obligation to get those out to these guys. Uh, you know, in a timely manner. I'm I'm always behind, I'm perpetually behind. I never get caught up. Thankfully. But on the other hand, there's that pool like, hey, I could go duck hunting this weekend or, you know, I can stay in the shop and, and fill orders. And oftentimes that, that takes precedent over actually going going hunting. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's just kind of where I'm at. Let me ask you a different way. Let me ask you this a different way. That way we can maybe spread a little wisdom tonight. Let me ask you this a little bit better way. If you could go back, 2009, 10, somewhere in there when y'all started hunting together, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Y'all drive to Oxford tonight. I have a time capsule or a time machine. We go back 2010, some of those hunts. We walk up on your younger self sitting in the hole. What would you tell? What would you tell yourself? What what would you? you, you no, no, I, I'm being shot. serious, not, and, and not funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being serious. What would you say to yourself? Hey, do this, man. It's what would you say to yourself to change your kind of your outlook or your how you view the hunt, the hunt. You go, you go, John. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Brooks knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brooks is very type A, obviously. Very, you know, opinionated. And, <clears throat> I mean, quite frankly, somewhat intimidating sometimes when it comes to duck hunting because he knows so much about it. I mean, he's, in July, he's researching a, you know, a better way to do things. I mean, it's just, it just constantly is on his brain. You know, so, I mean, I, I you know, as a good, as a friend, as a true friend, you know, I, I step back and, and I don't think he has many people that just tell him this, but I, I tell him to kind of, I tell him to take a step back and look at it and chill out just a little bit and enjoy um, a little more of everything that's going on. Um, he's so intense 
about, I mean, everything, you know, 2 a.m. or 4 a.m., whatever time you're, you're waking up. Um, but that's just my personality. I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot more laid back and just kind of, I don't know, it, it is what it is. He's a lot more, it ain't, it is what it is. It's what you make it. Uh, and I believe that too, but, <clears throat> um, you know, I think I, I would change, and I was that way probably when we met a little more than now. So I would probably just step back and probably enjoy a little more and, and, and yeah. not get uh, quite so wrapped up in some of the situations that we had gotten ourselves in sometimes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, not by far. Right. It just happened. But, uh, you know, you just... You know, I get it. I guess so wrapped up in it. So for everybody listening, whatever, you know, wherever you're at in your duck hunting career, that, that, I guess Josh read my mind, but I was really intense and like I wanted our group to have a good hunt. I wasn't really worried about, you know, anything else, but I knew we, you know, you can only control what you can control. So that's, that's where I always get upset about is we got to be able to control what we can. We can't control the weather and what the ducks are, but let's control what we can. You know, I'd get real upset, anxious, nervous, do whatever it takes. And I think it's, you know, a little bit of take a step back and just, just enjoy every day for what it is. And, you know, cause you always hear tomorrow might be your last. And, you know, one day it's going to be everybody's last duck hunt. We don't know when that day is going to be. So if your next duck hunt might be your last, just enjoy it. Don't get worked up about somebody messing up the call shot or somebody calling when they're not supposed to or so-and-so didn't put gas in the damn boat and you ran out of gas and didn't get the hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your dad turns like, left when he's supposed to turn right. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I tell my dad to do this and he doesn't do that and ruins, ruins the hunt. But yeah, you know, don't you know, don't get so worked up and you know uh, what's going wrong, and just kind of enjoy each day for what what it is. Let me ask you this: If I ask each of you, and you you can't overthink this. It's the first thing that comes to your mind. I said best hunt, best hunt. What is the very first one that pops in your mind? The day you killed a lot, or was it a day that something else? might have happened you know go ahead i'll tell you what one of one of my favorite hunts was on new year's so new year's is always a little bit of a my wife doesn't really do holidays but she really likes new year's eve for whatever reason and so like trying to get away on new year's eve was always a point of it was it was just tough and <clears throat> Brooks was kind of in the same shoes and I don't know it was four or five six years I don't even know when it was it was a while ago um you know we had talked and we kind of had both had obligations to you know with the wife and all this and you know we we decided we'd meet it was just going to be he and I at the boat ramp in Arkansas at like daylight we weren't going to be first in we we're just going to go kind of find a spot and and sure enough, so, you know, I drive five hours, he drives the same, and, you know, we get there at, I don't know, 5.30 or 6, no rush, because it's already getting daylight. 
and we just kind of, you know, we just kind of moseyed on in to the spot. And when we got there, there was already ducks trying to land on top of us. So we knew it was going to be pretty good. But uh, we took our time. We, I mean, typical Brooks fashion, there's the water's deep. So we're tying mojos to a tree. And I mean, just the whole, the whole <laughs> Brooks thing. <laughs> but we, we kind of, you know, picked out pretty much greenhead, well, all greenheads that morning <laughs> on, on New Year's Day after going out with the wives and driving all night. I don't know. It was just really, um, no, it was because it was no rush. It was no Chinese fire drill like we talked about earlier. And like, we really just kind of, we took it in and just, you know, we liked them, just two of us. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, that's one of the it most. It was a lot of fun. But w- the the most memorable thing about that day, Josh. So we, you know, do the ball drop with the wives, you know, get a kiss, hit the road. There at daylight, there's nobody. There it's like you wonder if the season's even open. There's nobody around. Finer hole gets set up, and like Josh said, we're just picking out greenheads. We've got seven greenheads in the boat, and Josh. Susie out of a group to end the hunt. You, were, you really weren't supposed to tell that part of the story. <laughs> Dude, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I did. I'll admit that. <laughs> That's not the greatest. Please tell the greatest story ever before we close. All right. The greatest story ever. So we're going to have to change the names and locations of the story, but everything else is pretty much true. Oh, God. So, <laughs> this is about the time that Josh kind of quit duck hunting, you know, it, <laughs> with us all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> we gave him a hard time. And this particular day, uh, it was just going to be me and him. And he, he he was kind of freed up to where he could come. And I said, man, there's there's going to be new water in this area that he's somewhat familiar with hunting before. Um, but we're going to go in there. And I had befriended another group of hunters earlier that season, you know, kind of hunting with folks and exchange numbers. But So I had hunted with some of this group earlier in the year. And I had uh, talked to the guy the evening before. And told him where I was going to go. He's like, well, that's where we were going to go, too. And I was like, well, damn. I said, it's just going to be two of us. He was like, well, we're, gonna, we're planning on running the hole. And we're either going to be in this hole or this hole. And he's like, we're probably going to run both of them. So just come to whatever you want you want. Y'all don't have to. He said, hell, y'all sleep in. We'll be there. Uh, you know, come. You just come in whenever you get ready. So Josh gets to the camp. I tell him the story. He's like, man, this is just doesn't feel right just kind of show up at daylight and hunt with these guys I was like man they're cool well so at daylight or right before daylight we're running in this hole just me and josh and the hole i wanted to hunt was kind of to the left and i see a light and i pull up in there and you know it's dark you can't tell exactly who's who and so i was like hey are y'all y'all so and so and sure enough one of them was like tinsley is that you and I was like, yeah, it's me. 
I was like, yes. So it was just two guys in a boat, which kind of threw me off because they were planning on hunting in a bigger group. And uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Josh, Josh, you can immediately tell that these guys are hammered drunk. Like they've been drinking. They went out to a country club the evening before and went straight from there to put their boat in the water to go, you know, get get their spot. Well. <laughs> Josh is kind of like he doesn't know these guys and I don't know these guys really well we've just hunted together before and are kind of acquaintances well they tell us the story about how they get you know get the spot he's like yeah man we we uh so the, the guy's name were Jacob and Randy and Jacob's like <laughs> What is Randy. what is a, what is a change name always get Randy? Randy Hole. <laughs> Randy Hole. Randy Hole. <laughs> and so so they're like, Yeah, we came straight from the bar and he said, We've been we've been here since one o'clock. You know, you can't run until four. He said, Man, <laughs> the water just got up in here and he so he was like, We made a couple three or four test runs in here to make sure we knew where we were going. So you can't be on this place before four, but they had already been in and out of it three or four times blazing a trail, making sure they weren't going to get beat. So It's like a hundred yards. It ain't like it's a <laughs> mile and a half. It's literally not far at all. <laughs> and so, so we're laughing, cutting up, and uh, at some point, either yesterday, the, the day before this, or maybe that night, hell, I don't know. They've got a dead squirrel in the boat, and this thing's got the biggest nut I've ever seen on a squirrel. And all of a sudden, Randy just picks it up. He said, man, look at the nuts on this boy. <laughs> and so you can imagine Josh. He's never met these guys before. They're obviously drunk. They're talking about going in and out of the, the place before shooting time. And he's holding up a, a dead squirrel, talking about how big his nuts are. And Josh kind of like whispers at me. He said, Brooks, who are these guys? <laughs> and I was like, they're cool. You know, we're good. It's getting daylight. They don't have decoys out. So I was like, I was like, where's everybody else? He's like, oh, they're down the way. But he, he said, we need to be here. I was like, yeah, this is the hole I wanted to be in because the wind's kind of set up good for it. He said, yeah, so we... Slung out decoys and getting set up, and it's. Can I interject breaking. one thing real fast? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so it was like twenty-five degrees. It was cold, yeah. and these summer guns have on t-shirts and like a jacket, <laughs> and they are cuddled up in that boat. Like yeah. yeah. Like for Do you warmth, remember that sure they were, Yeah, they may have been spooning. I'm not going to say whether they were. They were spooning, spooning but I, I'm pretty but sure they were. Let's just, since we're telling a story, let's just say they were spooning. So yeah, they <laughs> were cuddling when we pulled up. <laughs> it was so cold. <laughs> and they were sweating and cold. <laughs> it had this squirrel. <laughs> I didn't well, know what so, was going on. Anyway, go ahead. So it's breaking daylight, and already there's mallards coming in the hole. And uh, Jacob looks over at me, 
Jacob's from Mississippi or Jacob's from Arkansas. Randy's from Mississippi. So Jacob looks over at me. He said, how much time we got? And I, I clearly, he didn't not hear me. Clearly, I said, we've got three minutes. And I had no sooner got that out of my mouth. He shoots <laughs> one shot Ooh. and misses like ducks 10 feet away. It was probably too close. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn, Jacob. I said, I said three minutes. He said, oh, hell, don't worry about it. He said, if a game warden hears me, I'll just tell him it was an accidental discharge. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, so no sooner than that happens, a boat cranks up. Like Josh told you, we're only 100 yards from where you – you know, the, the river, a boat cranks up on the river. And immediately I'm thinking game warden. And so does he. And I look over and he's fiddling with his gun. I'm like, what are you doing, man? He said, oh, hell, I got to put my plug in. I already took it out. <laughs> I'm like, what? So, so we've been here 10 minutes. They've been on the WMA early. They may or may not have been drinking alcohol on the WMA. They shot early, and he's got an unplugged shotgun. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I can remember looking at Josh, and he's like, well, we need to get out of here. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, thinking the same thing, too. Like, this is not good, but there are freaking mallards everywhere. And so I, I'm like, hey, we'll, we'll be all right. I'm legal. You're legal. So... <laughs> Rocky, anyway, was so the hunt. I was ready to go. <laughs> the 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 best. Well, no, there's two more good good parts of the story. So, uh, a little while later, when it was actually legal shooting time, we have a big group come in and shoot into it, and kind of you know how it goes. You know, ducks are landing, and everybody shoots a volley, and one duck gets up and he's flying kind of on the far end of the hole. And Jacob just, woo, folds him up. And I'm like, man, that was a hell of a shot, man. He said, they can't stand these peanut butter, son. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He said, these peanut butters. And I'm like, what are you talking about peanut butters? And he holds up a shell. He said, peanut butters. And I was like, dude, I still have no idea what you're saying. He said, lead on the periodic table is PB. So I, I call them peanut butters. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this dude is just blatant, doesn't care, like left all his cares at home. I'm trying to sink myself at this point. This <laughs> I can't believe Josh had taken your boat. Dude. Always close. close. so good. <laughs> Like it, it, like the, there were so many mallards you couldn't leave, and this all happened. This is not like over the course of a morning. Like all this story is like ten. We're ten minutes into this deal, you know. Brooks, what what about the group? And then like one oh comes my in. God. Oh my That's God. the final part. So Josh, that's the deal you know, Josh hadn't been able to. Josh hadn't been able to hunt much this year, and so we're you know we're in the middle of an epic hunt. And an epic group comes over. Jacob in the middle of being like ten minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jacob says there was at least a hundred. Like that's his that's his story. I'm saying at least fifty. You know, fifty. I mean, I really, you know, you hear people grew. I landed a group of a hundred. You know, and yeah, it's like, well, if you probably go back and count, but I mean, a solid fifty. And when we see them, they're coming directly over us. And as they get behind us, we hit them, and they turn, and they're right on the edge of our hole, going away from us at this point. Well, the back couple, two or three from this huge group, just decide, I'm going to come in right now. As the whole group out in front of them is making their turn. And Randy Hole, as soon as these ducks drop in there, woo, 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 he shoots three times and doesn't burn a feather. And the most epic group of the season of our lives ever was lined up like i mean they were seconds away from you know you asked about what you remember like you'd have remembered this group for the rest of your life and randy hole randy hole just throws up three shots at the back couple that came in and doesn't even kill them <laughs> and i am like you talk about, oh, you need to enjoy the hunt. Don't get so upset. I'm pissed. <laughs> and Raggio is the same way. Like, what? What did? What did you do? And I'm like, I don't. Why did you? Why did you shoot? And he's just like he he knew he messed up. He was like, man, I just. They were flapping. I could hear them. They were so close. And I was like, did you not see the group behind them? And, and he was like, yeah, I saw them. He's like, I just really don't know what came over me. <laughs> and all the, all, the, all the while, Jacob, the Arkansas guy, he, he doesn't say a word. And he's, his blind bag was hanging against the tree that he was on and he's got his face down in his blind bag. Uh, apparently he's about to throw up. I don't know. I mean like it's a sickening feeling when this happens. And from it, his face down on his blind bag in a muffled voice, he goes, Randy, this ain't Mississippi. What the hell are you doing? And I lose it. I'm crying laughing at this i went from mad to just laughing like the ultimate line like this ain't mississippi we don't just <laughs> shoot the first two that come in rocky it takes a lot a whole lot to piss me off when he <laughs> shot at those two ducks <clears throat> after being in this shot for months and finally getting to see what i was about to see <laughs> He hears about it every single year now, for sure. And we'll hear about it for the rest of our lives. I'm sure Brooks does, yeah. too. We it'll, shoot him a text. Unforgettable, unforgettable moment for Randy Ho. Oh, it was, it's an unforgettable moment for me. It, <laughs> it was the most epic of groups is about to land, and that happens. Yeah, but you know, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. Uh, I'm gonna say that Randy's probably gonna comment. 
on this uh, podcast when I post it tomorrow. I'd say be brave enough to <clears throat> he might. Uh, put a comment on it. He might. If I was him, yeah, I'd lay low. He is a nut. No, he knows. He knows. He'll he'll stay <laughs> he'll stay silent. Um. Well, oh, next. What a night! I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to just tell you. This will be a huge episode. A lot of people listen to it. A lot of good times. A lot of laughter. That's what it takes. A lot of good conversation to make a good podcast episode. Really good tonight. Good. The thing that people got to understand. I'm not. I'm not even going to say that. I don't want to sound weird. I could see you freaking out, though, Josh. Lee. Oh, don't. I I didn't tell that part good enough. Josh was literally (laughs) freaking out. Like he's in the call business, you're in the outdoor industry, you can't be doing anything. Josh is literally saying, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, but you see all these ducks? (laughs) No, I was, I was, yeah, that whole side of things, but to watch a group like that about to land and somebody just shoot. Like we're twelve, you know. I remember my first beer, but I mean, oh, he walked to the boat. God. He walked to the boat and quit. Like, like, all right, well, I'm done. Like, he knew how bad it was. <laughs> like, we didn't really and, hold back on him. I don't think we we kind of lit into him a little bit. Yeah, rightfully so. <clears throat> The whole the whole morning determined that one little. <laughs> it was just a. Oh man, <laughs> good story though. Oh yeah, <laughs> never forget yeah. it. Never. I right. tell my two year old about that in thirty years, <clears throat> and we'll call him and remind him that he did that. <laughs> I'll say this: that story, uh, Brooks told it. I guess it was that first night that it was just me, you, and Josh Griswold were there. <clears throat> and I, I almost coughed up. Like I said, I almost just died from laughing listening to you and Griswold talk about it. Anyway. Anyway, next week, we will ju- we will get back into the story of the call company, um, where it all began. And like I said, we'll, we'll jump into some things that I think and Josh thinks that he kind of sets himself apart by doing the uniqueness of his call company and who he is. But anyway, guys, I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of people are going to listen to it. Great conversation. A lot of laughter. Enjoy the rocket. See you guys. Thank you all again. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. (laughs) 